and say good evening to you. Uh, it is good to be back with you all to study God's Word even deeper uh, this evening. And tonight, we are continuing our study in the book of Numbers. And uh, we have made our way to Numbers chapter 10. So if you haven't already, uh, be turning with me to Numbers chapter 10. And this evening, we're going to be looking at the entirety of the chapter, some 36 verses. And uh, so let's go ahead and read those there. So starting in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 10, the word of God reads, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets of hammered work, you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation breaking the tents. And when both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel, shall gather themselves to you. When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east side shall set out. <clears throat> and when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown whenever they are to set out. And when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow a long blast, but you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets. The trumpets shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that they may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God, I am the Lord your God. In the second year, in the second month, and on the twentieth day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. And the standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies. And over their company was Nashon, son of Amminadab. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Issachar was Nathanael, the son of Zuar. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helon. And when the tabernacle was taken down, the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari, who carried the tabernacle, set out. And the standard of the camp of, of Reuben set out by their companies, and over their company was Elizur, the son of Shadur. And over the company of the tribe of the people of, of Simeon was Shalemiel, the son of Zerushadai. And over the company of the tribe of the people of God was Eliasaph, the son of Deuel. Then the Kohathites set out, carrying the holy things, and the tabernacle was set up before their arrival. And the standard of the camp of the people of Ephraim set out by their companies, and over their company was Elishama, the son of Amihi. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Manasseh was Gamaliel, the son 
of the days of and over the company of the tribe of the people of Benjamin was Abidon, the son of Gideoni. Then the standard of the camp of the people of Dan, acting as the rear guard of all the camps set out by their companies, and over their company was Ahazer, the son of Amishadai. And over the company of the tribe of, of the people of Asher was Pagiel, the son of Achan. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Nephtali, was Ahira, the son of Ian. This was the order of march of the people of Israel by their companies when they set out. And Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do good to you, for the Lord has promised good to Israel. But he said to him, I will not go, Depart to my own land and to my own kindred. And he said, Please do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as Isbro. And if you do go with us, whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same will be done to you. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day, whenever they set out for the camp. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousands, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace again that you have granted to us to come back tonight to look even more deeply at your word. We pray again and afresh this evening that you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your law this evening. Lord, we pray that our minds' attention and our hearts' affection would be set upon Christ and his word here tonight. Lord, may you guard my mouth from error this evening, that your word would be presented faithfully and communicated clearly. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So again, we continue uh, our study and our look at the book of Numbers. And the last time that we had met uh, <coughs> and looked at uh, the book of Numbers, uh, Brother Clark had gone over uh, chapter 9, uh, verses 15 through 23. And just a summary of what was going on there uh, in those previous verses before our chapter is we had the cloud covering uh, over the ta- of the tabernacle. And the people of God would be guided by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when the cloud moved, the people of God would move. And when the cloud didn't move uh, by the command of the Lord, the people would not move as well. And that pretty much... Just in summary, in short summary there, kind of catches us up uh, to where we are uh, here in chapter 10. And here in chapter 10, um, again, what I would like to do is like what I've always tried to do is I want to give you a summary, a walkthrough of this passage, uh, what's going on here, what's taking place, and then we'll come back and we'll look at some applicational points uh, to bring out uh, from this passage. So in verses 1 and 2, at the beginning of our text, what we'll find 
uh, in these opening verses is that Moses uh, is commanded uh, by the Lord to make two silver trumpets. These two silver trumpets were going to be of great uh, significance and of great use because they were going to be used in the directing, uh, the movement of the camps for marching, for battle, and for the gathering of the nation together uh, for an assembly. And uh, in verses 3 through 10, uh, after we see the make of these two silver trumpets, uh, we read here a description of each of the sounds uh, that were made and what they would signify. Uh, so we, what we'll find in this particular uh, part of our passage is we will find distinctive sounds uh, that were made to indicate whether uh, the people of God would gather for assembly, or whether they would march, or whether they would uh, go into warfare. God also, uh, in these verses, promised Israel uh, that he would hear the trumpet of Israel uh, in warfare and that he would act on behalf uh, of the nation. We also read uh, in this particular portion of our text in verse 10 that the trumpets uh, were also sounded in the day of gladness, uh, which was a way of celebrating uh, God's people coming together and also celebrating the presence of the Lord with them. Uh, one thing to note here, uh, as we're looking at these trumpets and, and how the different uh, sounds signify different things and different movements of God's people, I think there's an even greater trumpet sound that we will uh, hear one day when Christ returns. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, we read, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So I just wanted to bring your attention as we're looking at these trumpets and the significance of these trumpets, what the different sounds mean for the people of God, uh, I thought it was good to point out there's a, another trumpet uh, that will be sounded, uh, and what a glorious day uh, that will be when we will meet our Lord and Savior in the air and be made heirs with Him. All right, so now moving on in our text in verses 11 uh, through 13, we begin our uh, passage here, uh, the Israelites start to leave Sinai. We are finally leaving Sinai. Um, it took us ten chapters to get here, but we're finally here. So here we see the Israelites are departing from Sinai. The cloud had begun to move, and the people were on their way uh, to the promised land. Uh, this was also... Uh, to note, the first time Israel marched as an organized, uh, prepared nation. They were now leaving from Egypt, from slavery, to Canaan and liberty. They were ordered and organized. They were cleansed and purified. They were set apart and blessed. And they were taught how to give, how to function as priests. They were made to remember the judgments spared and the deliverance brought by the Lord. 
And they were given God's presence as a guide and the tools needed to lead the people. In verses 14 through 28, uh, a good chunk of our text here, uh, simply what is taking place in these verses uh, is where we see the Israelites are actually setting out and they're actually marching in the order that God had commanded in the earlier chapters of Numbers. So what Moses is doing here in this portion of our text is he is reminding us of those earlier chapters in Numbers where God has ordered the camp in a specific way. And uh, we have one of those, what I like to call another one of those beautiful moments, if you will, in this passage of acts of obedience where God's people actually obey his word, right? And they followed it exactly uh, and took his word seriously. Uh, So just another one of those beautiful uh, pictures of obedience. Uh, And I love how as we've been going through numbers, we've been seeing these snippets of acts of obedience uh, that the Israelites have done. Uh, now, although this does not characterize them throughout the entire entirety of the wilderness, uh, it is good to be reminded of those moments uh, when they are. And we see God's grace in that. In verses 29 through 32, uh, Moses appeals to his brother-in-law uh, to stay with Israel. Well, here, uh, I think it's good to note uh, that Moses simply recognizes his own limits, right, and knew that he needed help. And so Moses reached out to a Midianite, uh, a Gentile, uh, for help. And uh, even though Israel was guided by God himself, uh, God had also made means in which uh, those people uh, could take refuge and use for help uh, in And Moses, what we see throughout this encounter here in these verses, is Moses kind of, uh, he tries not to take no for an answer, right? Moses knows that this man has been equipped to help the people of God, and uh, God will use him uh, to do so. In verses 33 through 36, to conclude our summary of what's taking place in this text, is we see... As the Israelites departed from Sinai and began their journey, right, again, they were guided by the presence of God in the form of a cloud. And they followed the cloud no matter where God led them. They allowed themselves to be guided by God and not by their own desires of comfort and ease. So where the cloud would stop, those people would stop, whether that be a place of comfort or whether that be a place of hardships, they would stop where Lord commanded them to stop. Okay. And in verses uh, 25 through 26, oh, hold on a second. Got backwards there. Uh, So here, again, um, in verses 33 through 36, right, we see the Israelites are leaving the camp. And what takes place here is Moses gives two prayers prayer for when they leave the camp, and a prayer for when they stall, for when they stop uh, and camp out. And uh, the first prayer that he gives when they leave the camp, right, is he's basically saying, uh, Lord, go before us and take care of our enemies. That's the essence 
of Moses' prayer as they leave the camp. He recognizes it's too dangerous for them uh, to, to ahead unless the Lord goes before them. And in verse 36, uh, Moses uh, says another prayer when God's presence has stopped. And it basically says, here we camp, Lord, stay with us. Uh, so two simple yet beautiful prayers uh, from Moses himself. Uh, and I think something to take away from that is God will sometimes tell us to move on and sometimes he tells us to camp out, right? Uh, either is fine when we are guided by his presence. And Moses knew that and Moses acknowledges that, I believe, in these prayers that he gives at the end of our text. So that was just a brief summary of what we have taking place. Uh, again, I always like to do that to help us understand what's going on in these narrative uh, passages of Scripture. And now I want us to look at some applicational points, some points that I think that we can glean from this text, some points that I think that we can drive home here, I hope and pray uh, that will be beneficial in our walk with Christ and our, in our obedience to Him. So the first thing I want to look at with you all is in verses 11 through 28. The first point I want to bring out is the importance of obedience. The importance of obedience. So again, in verses 11 through 28, Moses goes out of his way to recount for us Israel's careful obedience of God's direction about how they were to order themselves, how they were to march, what they were to follow, who was in charge of carrying what concerning the things of the tabernacle, who was going to lead the tribes, right? Moses recounts all these things in these verses so that we can see that Israel is obeying God's direction. In verse 13, he says, they set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. So a question for us then, why, why would Moses be recounting this for us, right? What is so significant about us seeing uh, this recounting for us in this passage? Well, first off, I think he does so so that we can see the children of Israel, although they weren't always obedient, like I, like I said beforehand, although they weren't always obedient to the command of the Lord, in this particular instance in our text and in several other places that we've seen before chapter 10, in those particular instances in time in the history of the people of God, they obeyed the Lord. And I believe Moses is really trying to convey that as he is recounting what... A, as he is recounting the order in which God had commanded them to arrange the camp, right? And so they did exactly what the Lord commanded them to do. Take, for instance, if you're, go, if you're to go to the beach, right, and more than likely you're going to drive, I would say most people probably drive uh, to the beach and not fly, uh, unless you were going to uh, California from here, uh, you'd probably fly then. Uh, but most people, if you're going to the beach, like me and my family, we usually go to Gulfport, Alabama, or Panama City, or somewhere down there. Well, when you're driving, obviously you're going to uh, set your GPS, whether that be via your phone or an actual GPS that you can stick on your windshield. You don't really see much of those anymore. I think most people stick to their phone or Siri, if you will. Well, you're going to pull up your GPS, and you're going to put in the instructions for right? Um, I, I would hope so. Anyways, I know I could not get to the beach on my own if I didn't have 
Um, I trust the old GPS and Siri to guide me there. Uh, because, and I'm going to follow those directions, right? Because if I don't, I'm going to constantly hear, turn around, turn around here, turn around there. Make a turnaround here, right? And that's going to get really annoying uh, if I keep ignoring it. Uh, but here, in a greater and deeper, higher way, what Moses is conveying to us is that if we're going to walk with the Lord in the wilderness, the people of God are going to walk with the Lord in the wilderness, how do you go about doing so? You go about doing so in obedience to his word, in obedience to his commands. Amen. You do so going about in obedience to his word, in obedience to his commands. You follow the word of God. Walking with the Lord means walking in accordance with his commands uh, in his word. In Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent is tempting Adam and Eve, one of the things that the serpent wants them to believe is that they need to disobey God if they want to experience satisfaction and joy, right? If they want to be like God, that is the language that is used in Genesis chapter 3, in order for them to be like God, the serpent tells them to flat out disobey God, right? But what we find in Scripture in other places, and specifically what I want us to look at is in the New Testament, we see the exact opposite uh, should take place, right? In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says there of himself, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. And one of the things the New Testament depicts to us is that Christ indeed is our Savior and our mediator, and he fulfills the law where we didn't, right? And that as we see Christ, as he fellowship with God the Father, he did so in perfect obedience. He did so in perfect obedience. Remember in the garden when Christ is praying, you know, when he's praying that the Father would let this cup pass from him, but he says... Not what I will, Lord, but you, but what you will, right? He's always seeking to do the will of the Father. And so the one who walks close with God, the one who walks in obedience to God's word, is one who will experience the fullness of God's blessing in his life. Amen. And Christ is simply the perfect example for us in that. So the serpent in the garden in Genesis 3 says, you have to disobey in order to experience the blessings and joys of life, in order to be like God. And Christ says, no, the one who walks with the Lord in faithful obedience to God's word is the blessed man. In other words, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, we read, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And on his law he meditates day and night. The Christian life, if we're going to walk with God, friends, we walk by obedience. 
It's not terrible. It's not horrible. Uh, it's not repressive and it's not oppressive. Uh, it's, it's freeing and a blessing to walk with God according uh, to His Word. Okay? So, we ought to walk in faithful obedience. And next, we see that God will supply our needs for us. And we can find that in verses 29 through 32. Uh, God will supply our every need as he did uh, for his people. And here in these verses, what, again, what we see is God is providentially supplying someone to Israel, the Midianite, uh, who is not an Israelite, uh, he's a Gentile, to help. He supplies him to help the children of Israel, and Moses is negotiating with him to get him to come along. And so we are seeing this picture here of God supplying Israel with the assistance of this Gentile Midianite. As some might say, well, you know, all they, needed to, all they needed to do was to just obey the Lord. And there is some truth to that. Yes, they needed to obey the Lord. But Moses knew, and we should see from this passage, that not only, yes, do we need to obey the Lord, but we also need to use the means that he gives us. God gives us means in this life. We, we don't just walk around, right, saying, you know, if we have cancer or if we're sick, that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord, right? I mean, yeah, there is a, uh, there is a sense in which we should, uh, but we've also been given doctors, we've been given professionals uh, that have studied medicine, uh, and we ought to use those means that God So yes, we ought to trust in the Lord with every fiber of our being. We ought to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, yes. But we ought to use the means that he's given us to do so. Amen. And he gives us those means. And and, in this passage, uh, we see that. And Moses values that. And we should value that as well. So we ought to walk in obedience also see that God will supply our needs. Third, and finally, uh, kind of feeding off of our last uh, point, uh, we will focus more on the trusting uh, in the Lord. So thirdly and lastly, we learn something about trusting in the Lord. Verses 33 through 36, again, here we have the description of the ark of the covenant journeying in front of the Israelites. And the cloud of the Lord is leading them by day and when they set out from the camp. And here, what we actually see is a visible picture, right? A visible sign that the presence of the Lord was with the Israelites. And his presence was designed to assure them that their trust should be placed in him, right? And them being able to see these signs visibly should, in some ways, inflame their trust, right? It should fuel it even more. It should fuel their confidence in the Lord. Their trust is not to be in the Midianite God who who Moses got to help them and guide them in the wilderness. Their trust was not to be 
in themselves, in their own strengths, in their own abilities. No, their trust was to be placed in and focused on God himself because God had given them visible means to say, I am with my people. I am the Lord your God and I am with you. God had given them those means. And what a lesson that is for us, friends. Truly, what a lesson that is for us that we have been given means by God. We have been given these visible signs, if you will. Well, what are they? Uh, there's nothing spectacular. I mean, it's nothing. Uh, it's not a dream, right? It's not a dream. Uh, it's not a vision that God has given us. No, what has he given us? He's given us his word, and he's given us faithful men to faithfully proclaim that word. That's the means in which God has given us to trust him. That's the means in which God has given us to trust him. And so we ought to use those means. Amen. Those ordinary means that God has given us. So the Israelites, what we find is, is that we see the importance of obedience in our text. And we find uh, that God will supply our needs as he did the people of Israel. We also find that we should trust in the Lord. And that's what Moses did in his prayer. He's saying, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. He's showing a reliance, a reliance upon God. And he says in his rested prayer, Return, O Lord. So, friends, as we've been going through Numbers, I hope we've seen that this is not just another book in history uh, that is not uh, relatable to us in our day. I hope we've been able to see that uh, we indeed are elect exiles, right? We indeed are children uh, in a foreign land, making a pilgrimage because we know that our home one day will not be here, but it will be with our risen Savior, uh, Christ, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, will be coming back. And so, friends, may we be found faithful in being obedient to his commands. May we recognize that he will supply all of our needs. May we trust in him above all. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you specifically for the book of Numbers, how we have seen so many wonderful truths throughout all of these descriptions of the arrangements of the camp. And Lord, in that we've learned about your holiness. Father, how we've seen these snippets of obedience of the people of Israel would obey your commands that you had given them through Moses. Lord, how they obeyed uh, to um, order the camp in the way that you had commanded them to. And Lord, just what a beautiful picture that is for us, what a lesson that is for us, God, that you have also obeyed us to command your word, to trust in your word, to trust in you alone. And so, Lord, I pray that as we continue to go through this book, Father, help us to see these 
wonderful and beautiful truths and help us to apply it to our lives, Father, so that we might be found faithful to you and to your word. And so, God, we pray all this in Christ's name.